0: As we consider the road that unfolds before us, we remember with humble gratitude those brave Americans who, at this very hour, patrol far-off deserts and distant mountains. They have something to tell us, just as the fallen heroes who lie in Arlington whisper through the ages. We honor them not only because they are the guardians of our liberty, but because they embody the spirit of service a willingness to find meaning in something greater than themselves. And yet, at this moment, a moment that will define a generation, it is precisely this spirit that must inhabit us all. For as much as government can do and must do, it is ultimately the faith and determination of the American people upon which this nation relies. It is the kindness to take in a stranger when the levees break, the selflessness of workers who would rather cut their hours than see a friend lose their job, which sees us through our darkest hours. It is the firefighter's courage to storm a stairway filled with smoke, but also a parent's willingness to nurture a child that finally decides our fate. Our challenges may be new. The instruments with which we meet them may be new. But those values upon which our success depends, honesty and hard work, courage and fair play, tolerance and curiosity, loyalty and patriotism, these things are old. These things are true. They have been the quiet force of progress throughout our history. What is demanded then is a return to these truths. What is required of us now is a new era of responsibility, a recognition on the part of every American that we have duties to ourselves, our nation, and the world, duties that we do not grudgingly accept, but rather seize gladly, firm in the knowledge that there is nothing so satisfying to the spirit, so defining of our character, than giving our all to a difficult task This is the price and the promise of citizenship. This is the source of our confidence, the knowledge that God calls on us to shape an uncertain destiny. This is the meaning of our liberty and our creed, why men and women and children of every race and every faith can join in celebration across this magnificent mall, and why a man whose father less than 60 years ago might not have been served at a local restaurant can now stand before you to take a most sacred oath.
1: So let us us mark mark this day day with
0: remembrance of who we are and how far we have traveled. In the year of America's birth, in the coldest of months, a small band of patriots huddled by dying campfires on the shores of an icy river. The capital was abandoned. The enemy was advancing. The snow was stained with blood. At a moment when the outcome of our revolution was most in doubt, the father of our nation ordered these words be read to the people. Let it be told to the future world that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet it. America, in the face of our common dangers, in this winter of our hardship, let us remember these timeless words. With hope and virtue, let us brave once more the icy currents and endure what storms may come. Let it be said by our children's children that when we were tested, we refused to let this journey end, that we did not turn back, nor did we falter. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America.
2: First things for a Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. David, Charles,
3: morning. Good morning. That is Barack Obama's inaugural, or a portion of it, the last five minutes of his inaugural in 2009, January 20th, 2009. Um, 12 years ago. 12 years ago tomorrow. And I, uh, we, tomorrow we'll hear a, a new inaugural. We'll hear a new one by Joe Biden and his the Vice President Barack Obama. And uh, there's a couple things that I want to highlight here. One is uh, those words. That's the way a president sounds in an inaugural. That's the way a president leads in an inaugural with uplifting. Um, words and hope and determination and invocation of the best pieces of our, of our American story. Um, and I remember watching that inaugural, I was not there in person, but watching it, I went with my son um, who is now <laughs> a freshman in college. I went with my son to the Seattle Center to watch it on the big screen with others. And uh, had him on my shoulders. We were watching that inaugural, and and I thought that I was I was struck by the the actual seriousness and soberness of Obama in that inaugural. He did not give us his soaring uh, audacity of hope speeches speech. There, he gave us a very serious the winter of our challenges uh, speech, and uh, and I thought. This is a guy who, who clearly sees the depth of the, and the gravity and also has lived through it personally of the challenges that we as a country hold. And, uh, and, it, and it struck me and it, it shaped me in terms of my thinking about America at the time. Donald Trump issued, delivered his inaugural in just, uh, January 2017, four years ago. I'm sorry, January 20th, 2017, four years ago to tomorrow. And he delivered a strikingly different image of America, one that you've actually—I've never seen in an inaugural, and I've read every inaugural from every president at least a couple times. Um, he he delivered one that became known as the American Carnage Inaugural because that's the terminology he used in there, and he spoke of desolation and crime, and uh, 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 division and how america uh, had treated people horribly big truck going by me here obviously and it was so out of out of uh, history in terms of what he offered that it was it was an immediate signal an immediate indication that that this man had no idea how to be president no idea how it is to to in any way shape or form try to try to connect people and to help them to see themselves as part of a broader endeavor. Nothing beyond himself could he imagine. And at the beginning of that inaugural, uh, and I watched Trump's again yesterday and thought about playing a clip of it this morning, but decided, no, <laughs> no. Um, he, at the beginning, of it, he, he takes a moment to, to thank the Obamas for how incredible they've been during the transition and how they've welcomed him in Melania and brought him into the space, and he turns around actually and looks right at Barack, President Obama and says, "You know, you have been magnificent. Thank you." And the 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 difference between that moment and tomorrow, when Donald Trump and Melania Trump will not be in attendance, they are only, I believe, the third president in U.S. history to not be in attendance at the the transfer of power. The last one to do it was Andrew Johnson, who was impeached during Reconstruction. They won't be there. He's leaving. He's leaving. No interest at all in the broader country. None. And so tomorrow, I look forward to that return of service that Barack Obama evoked and that Joe Biden will certainly talk about tomorrow. That return of service, that return of of trying to do something for, for, be, for people beyond oneself, and an imperfect union will seek again the goals of building a better union. And to my, so today on the eve of the inauguration of Joe Biden as president, Kamala Harris as vice president, I wish to, to dwell and to ruminate on the imagery of Barack Obama and that we've had of presidents before Donald Trump took us down a very different pathway.
1: Yeah, uh, Donald Trump, uh, I had a couple of thoughts on that. One is on, on Trump first, and it's that um, he, he, he basically, it, American carnage was not, uh, it, it wasn't uh, an assessment of the country. It was him telling us where he was going to bring us. It was him, him telling us what he was going to do to to, to the country. Um, if you look back on it now, and and David, you said you watched it yesterday, and so that you can probably attest to that. I bet we can pick it apart, and every every little piece that he talked about is is what he he impacted and made worse.
3: Yeah, you're right. Um, the references he invokes around American carnage, the imagery he invokes, is all present today. Yep.
1: Yeah, the division, the suffering, um, the death. Oh my gosh! It, he he he, he was, a, it was a prophecy of his own of his own uh, administration. Um, that's one thought. The second one is listening to Barack Obama. It is. I I do believe that that presidents, especially, but leaders have the ability to help shape the actions of the people who follow them. I do. I don't think that people are just on this straight line of who they're gonna be and that uh, they are revealed. I think that people follow leaders, they do. And, and Barack Obama with that speech and with his, the way that he led and the way he, he was president, it really, it, it, it made some folks behave a little better, and it made people believe that we were a better country. Now, I'll also say that I think that it lulled us into thinking that we hadn't been as bad as we had been and possibly made it so that we didn't deal with the things that we should have dealt with because we thought that we were as great as he said that we were. And so it's, a, it's this double-edged sword where we believe him, we believe him and we, we move forward without, without cleaning up these messes, um, which possibly makes it easier for, for them to fester um, into what we're seeing now. So you know, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about Barack Obama and, and you know, what he did and didn't do Um, you know, David, you talk about a bargain where, you know, eight years of Obama gets you four years of Trump. I still take those eight years for sure.
2: Well, I I don't remember agreeing to that bargain, but (laughs) I hear what you're saying. And I I hear what you're saying, Charles. And and, uh, of course, he also does call on us to be smart and strong enough to be aware of the problems that we face and to tackle them but humans as we are we gravitate to the you know the soaring and try to sweep the the uh, negative under the rug at times so he's very clear isn't he about like what you know the cold bloody snow and what we face right i just I, before we started i just happened to read a, a, a column again by the house one of the house conservatives brett stevens in the new york times and this was about lincoln in the 1830s giving a speech where he basically predicted what was going to happen in the uh, in 1860s and and 2016 2020 which was the the uh the appeal to the mob the mobocracy he called it and that the appeal to the mob creates its own force, and the first, the first righteous move that someone takes where they say, well, I am going to righteously hang this person because of X, Y, or Z. I'm going to righteously take this person's money. I'm going to righteously ban this person. Those first justifications build and build and build, and that's how you lose democracy you know how how it happened in rome how it happened in the south you know how it keeps on happening and how of course trump and his the message he started with on that morning with his american carnage justified the 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 way people think and believe today right they they take their self-righteousness and they hang it to this autocrat and they use it to justify criminality and thievery and and much much worse i think and so yeah obama does the opposite and biden will have to do the opposite too and will have to be listening
3: i think that uh i'm the 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 kind of thinking about obama and trump and and where biden's gonna take us or or at least seek to take us Um, uh i think i charles i agree with what you're saying that president's imagery and words visions deeply impact who we imagine ourselves to be and who we seek to be they don't determine us but they very much shape and constrain us in ways that are notable and i think that obama's uplift his soaring rhetoric uplift did that effectively where I think he did not do it. And I don't know if he's capable of it because I've never seen him do it. Uh, or I, yeah, I have never seen him do it is to, to step down a peg in terms of vulnerability himself, personally, and to say, look, I know I've called and asked everybody to give it everything they've got and to believe in the best that America can be. We, we are not going to be that. Unless, unless everybody steps forward with everything we've got and fights for this new kind of removal from the Great Recession and do a better America and being the first, first uh, black president is gonna produce challenges. Um, if I, I think that he, he always asked for support and help and challenge in a very removed way, he would say, you need to push me, you need to push me um, and we're gonna have challenges. But he didn't, I think, say to the millions who were with him, look, there's no possible way that we're going to get through this going forward unless we go through it together and that I need you as much as you need me. And there's an emotional connectivity there and a vulnerability that I think a president can thread the needle on without feeling too intimate, that a president can thread the needle on, that he just didn't bring to him. His public repertoire the man doesn't exude that in terms of who he is as a president or a person he is the cool the you know, i'm reading the book game change which is about the 2008 campaign and uh i read it twice it's really a fascinating insight and i haven't read it in about a decade and uh and it talks about how his camp his campaign aides just were astounded at his almost um unimaginable coolness during everything. It doesn't matter if it was a, the most stressful moment or a biggest mistake or anything like this, That the dude was cool and calm. And I think that that's awesome, but it also re- reduced his ability to, to ask for a journey together. And that, that ability to do that is part of what we need now is what we need now. And Joe Biden is so much higher on emotional connectivity than Barack Obama is. And I think that if Biden does a little bit of that, and I have seen him talk about it with the masks and with people passing away today on the eve of inauguration, he's going to the reflecting pool in the mall and he's gonna speak about the people that have died during COVID. Okay. And he's gonna, He's going to do it in a way that Barack Obama had to speak constantly about loss and death. Um, but he always did it as the president. Joe Biden's going to go as like the American guy down the street and deliver it. And so that, that emotional rallying that is a, about human connection as opposed to soaring uplift about the country is what I think Joe Biden brings to this moment. And I don't know, maybe it won't work in the same way that Obama's, some of Obama's goals didn't work but it certainly seems more attuned to the kind of rallying we need. And then it also ensures that people who are with him, also, they say, look, my job, my job is to go with you and to push you and to compel you all the time. That's my job. So I hope that's the journey that we're on as we start tomorrow.
2: But neither Obama nor Biden are simply saying, your job is to push me. I mean that's I mean that I guess that's where I give Obama more credit. I mean I understand your point about the cool, but I mean I don't know what he could have been given his biography. But but cool in the face of you know the odds he faced. But uh, both of them I mean one thing Trump didn't do was ask any anything of anybody other than you know, witness me, the, the great leader, and um, witness how wonderful I am. But Obama, I guess I give him more credit. I mean, he was demanding a lot from us. In that clip you played, he was demanding service. He was, he was demanding that we, we push him as a, as, a, as a leader. Maybe he should have demanded more of that. But he was demanding people step up. To their own responsibility.
3: No, I, I don't. I don't think he was demanding anything. I think he was he was casting a picture of something as an ideal, and he was trusting, as a communication person, he was trusting that that image would inspire, and it does. But it's not the same thing as asking. It's not the same thing as specifically saying we need this. Okay? There's there's a there's additional stuff that is about asking as a leader of your folks. Uh, Obama did not ask people to do certain things. He crafted images. Uh, he, he asked someone during the campaign to fight for him and to campaign for him. But when he became president, he stopped asking. He, he, he crafted a, a vision of the world and with the, the belief and with the action that it could come to fruition through the crafting of it. The belief that the vision itself would essentially self-create through the leadership of him and others. There's a difference between that and asking. What Trump has done, as specifically said for years, to his followers, uh, I need you to to do this. You need to go to your people and you need to say these things. You need to fight. Uh, Fox News, if you don't do what I want, you're gonna pay a penalty, I'm gonna mock you. If you're a politician who doesn't stand with me, I'm gonna take you down. Uh, He has made very clear that the way you stay with Trump is by doing things for Trump. What Obama could have done is to say not for Obama, but that what we need as Americans today is for us to do that. I need you to go to those town halls in 2010 and fight for a public option for healthcare. I need you Mm -hmm. in 2013 2013, to go and to stand strong for same-sex marriage. We need that, that is what we need now. He didn't, that's a vulnerability as a leader to offer that because people may not respond to you and that's vulnerable. But of course they would have responded to Obama and of course they responded to Trump. Cause if you're president you've got millions of people that are with you. And so Obama didn't issue that ask, that, that he, he crafted a vision but didn't issue the ask as president. He always asked for, had the ask as a campaigner but as president he did not. And that to me is what I think Biden is different. Biden is go- is gonna ask. He's gonna ask for a lot from people and it's not gonna be everything that anybody ever wants all the time. So that's why we gotta push him, but he is gonna start with ask. And I think that that's, that's what is essential at this time.
2: I see, I see your point.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Barack talked about us uh, as as already being our best selves, and that I think that 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 made people lean more into like what they what he thought was yeah. possible about about us. Um, but that's like in the think and feel area, you know. And it I think it made worse people just fine and good people much better. But it wasn't it wasn't the specific call to action. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that I don't know that 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 Biden is gonna do that. I feel like Biden, when he looks for an example of how to be president, he really calls on the example that Obama set. And a lot of his what he's said so far has been this, we're better than this language. Like we already are better than this. Not that, not we have to work to become better, or we have to uh, repair our country, or we have to change as people. That's not that's not what I've heard from from Biden so far. Maybe he'll get there. I don't know. I think I agree with the with the empathy that he brings around the suffering that this country's been been through. And I think he'll put more focus on on the coronavirus and, and the death. That that many families have experienced, you know, almost as many deaths as World War II. Now um, we're on track to eclipse that, uh, but I don't I don't know that he will that he will ask. We'll see. We'll see. But that's what we we do need a call to action for sure. A, a direct call to action, as clear as as what Trump uh, gave to his people. I actually think that that Biden has been
3: delivering that but now he's going to have the the stage of the presidency so we'll, we'll hear it. Well, I mean, this is the definitive moment for him to issue that is tomorrow. So we'll, we'll see. But but in my mind, his invocation of a better America, that we're better than this, to me has always embedded in it, the idea that we must act to make it so that we though it is on us to make it so I, I, I think the distinction that you draw between, of what Obama had to say, of like invoking it um, to, to elevate who we are. Um, I, I do think that Biden delivers it differently. Uh, it, I feel it in a different way that like, hey, h- how can you possibly get rid of COVID without a national effort? How can we possibly um, deal with climate without a international effort? That it's going to take all of us. How can we handle that? How can we possibly deal with racial injustice without a uh, an all hands on deck? We got everybody's got to grow and learn and change effort. So I I I feel like he starts from a position of a greater this is without a doubt of a greater humility than Obama does. Um, and that and Obama for, you know they're just positioned very differently and they're different human beings. And I feel that, that Biden starts from a position of, of, we're at a really bad spot and we got to do this together. And he invokes his father and the losses that he's had. So we'll see, we'll see. But I, I have certainly heard from Biden a, a greater sense of, of we are in this together. It is not me out here doing this. Um, and and you all come along. And, uh, and so I, I think that Trump something to take away that I've taken away from Trump is that he saw his followers as people to be mobilized. That's what he saw every step of the way, every step of the way for pain, for his own good, for uh, the the policies that he wanted to pursue, for just manipulative fun on his part, but he always saw his followers as people to be mobilized. And I, I, I hope that Joe Biden will We'll see Americans um, as people to be mobilized and that he'll call on us to do that because it it is a time of action, profound action. So tomorrow we get the 46th president of the United States. Um, And I don't know what the number is, but it's a lot more than that for vice presidents because there's been a variety of things where vice presidents have moved on over time or they were there for one term and not a second So we have much more, but we have our first female vice president and she is an African-American and also a Southeast Asian American. So tomorrow we start a new journey and inaugurals are always, or have been before Trump, messages of renewal and hope. They're the the one moment where a president gets to kind of be president of everybody and to craft a vision and to call us forward without being in embedded down in the policy discussions that will follow the moment the inaugural is over. Um, So I think that with Obama, we had this kind of above it all and here's who we are. I think with Trump, it was we're horrible and I'm gonna make us worse and I'm gonna need all of you to help me with that. And tomorrow we see what Biden offers. I'm certainly pleased with, uh, pleased isn't the best word, I'm appreciative of the way that he and his, his folks have gone through this inaugural so far. The imagery on the mall last night of all of the flags lit up representing Americans who could not come to the inaugural and representing all 56 territories. Uh, I think that there's been a lot of uh, really powerful stuff from him and the executive orders that I hear coming and the policies that are gonna come all sound to me like wonderful yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's going to be a great first few days, for sure. It's going to feel like it. It is going to feel like a new like like New Year. It'll feel like a New Year's celebration. Uh, it'll feel like Christmas actually, is what it'll feel like. It's and New Year's I, yeah, Eve for you,
3: man. Wait, it's New Year's Eve for you.
1: It is New Year's Eve. That's right. It is New Year's Eve. But it's weird because I can't. You know, New Year's Eve goes all the way up into noon tomorrow, so. I'm just going to, you know, get really hammered for lunch. Um, And then 1201, it's, you know, we're back to work, you know? (laughs) No. Well, it's New Year's Day.
2: You can call it the whole day. New Year's Day. Just wrap yourself (laughs) in that whole day.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, No, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of work to clean up. And I think we're going to see. You know, he's got really smart people thinking about all the ways that he could clean things up. And we're gonna see exactly how and and how much he can do early on. But I think it'll 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 show us because we I think we haven't thought very much. And this is like a part of like protecting ourselves, but we haven't exactly thought about all the ways that the country's been messed up. And one yeah. of the things that I like about the appointments of of people and his plans for his, for his executive actions is that it's actually reminding me, you know, like certain offices that I forgot existed that were supposed to be doing stuff and haven't done them for four years, uh, and and then these executive actions like oh that's right Trump fucked that up too that that's <laughs> I forgot about that uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna kind of replay a lot of that for us and in the best way actually.
3: We made it. We're almost there. We're we're like tw- we're a little over. No, we're 25 hours from it, from his inaugural right now. 25 hours from the oath of office. One more day, one more day, and it will be an eventful one.
1: Meanwhile, CP's go. back. CP's back. Yeah, we got our first staff meeting today. Uh, can't wait to see everybody, and uh, we are getting back to work.